This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Living by godly principles. And if you want to be set for life, God has given us the playbook. There's a few things that I'm going to show you from Scripture today that if we will literally just practice the principle, <laughs> and why is that always so hard for us? But if we'll just practice the principle, the promise will be fulfilled in your life. But the promise can't be fulfilled without the practicing of the principle from God. Amen, everyone? So here we go, let's get started. And this is Living by Godly Principles. This is the second part of this series called Set for Life. And out of the book of Isaiah chapter 55, we'll take our text in verse number eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and it maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now let's look at verse 10 again. I read that rather quickly, and I want you to see the the process it's critical. Some of, you, some of you have heard this scripture so much that you forget the, the, the poignancy of it. Listen now. Rain, snow comes from, comes from God, comes from the heavens, and let's look at why. Why must we rejoice when it rains? Because it waters the earth, and when the earth is watered, it maketh the earth blossom or come into budding, and that produces seed, for the sower, and it produces bread to the eater. Everyone say there's a process. Verse 11, just as that is in the natural, here comes the spiritual, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and I love this now, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We can't complain about the natural rain that buds the earth, that produces the seed that we might reinvest into the earth that produces our sustainability for life. Well, so it is in the spiritual When God speaks a word, it will accomplish where that word is being directed. And not only will it accomplish its its purpose, but it will prosper the recipient of the word. And I'm going to go further and say this. In the prosperity of the recipient, that's you and me, it then will be reinvested and bring forth even more life because faith comes by the hearing and the hearing of the word of God. 
So today, I just want to show you a few principles that God has given us in Scripture, and that word will not return void. That word will accomplish what it is sent to do if we will be in a position to practice or receive Everyone say, I receive. You got to receive the word of God and then put it into practice. And I promise you this much, that, my friend, brings forth the promise, the promises of God. So before we can get to the 75 or so percent of this message, I want to address these scriptures within their full context because we're starting in verse number eight, dealing with an isolated purpose today with the series. But verses one through seven, if you still have Isaiah 55 there, verses one through seven are are quite critical. You're basically going to get two sermons in one today. Uh, Here's the first portion of, of of the message, and it's kind of a standalone sermon, but I feel like preaching it to someone. The verse... First verses, rather, verses one through seven, we see that the word of God is calling all sinners. It's calling everyone to come unto him. His grace and mercy, ladies and gentlemen, it's for everyone. His grace and mercy is not limited. It's not restricted. It is to whosoever will. And this, my friend, is is where, unfortunately, we get disconnected sometimes because we want to have the corner on God's grace and mercy. We want to put some into a box that we say, His grace and mercy are not for them. Or we want to put others into an equation or a category and that we say his grace and mercy are not for them. But that is why we're not God. Because if it were left up to us, we would pick and choose who the love of God can reach. You get done wrong by the by someone, you'll, you'll instantly start thinking, well, even the love of God can't touch him. He's such a sorry rascal. You get, you get lied to by certain people, you'll think, well, that whole group of people, they're just a bunch of, they're crazy. God can't even reach them. We'll write people out of the plan of God because we see things as natural, as human We're the creation and not the creator, and boy, do we ever show it. We show it every single day, don't we? You show it every time you speak because most of our words are not words of love and kindness and compassion and grace and mercy, but they're words of judgment. All I have to do is mention a few political names right now, and we'd be fist fighting for the days over. We'd have one group stand up, Determine that they're right. Another group stand up, determine they're right. And God's saying, y'all a bunch of crazy people. None of you are right. Only God's right. But that's the reminder. Verses one through seven is the reminder that my love and my grace and my mercy are not without limits, even though you think it's limited. I'll prove to you that it's not limited because I reached you. 
And when you get the full understanding that God had to reach pretty stinking low to reach us, then how in the world would we think he couldn't reach him or her or them? <laughs> Somebody say amen. The air left the room this morning all of a sudden. Everybody's got their minds on boats and houses and cars. <laughs> we want to hear that blessed message. We don't want to hear that the love of God's got to reach old George and Richards and Susie, man. Them are some sorry people, Pastor Todd. Well, it's for all of us, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm thankful that none of you are my eternal judge. I'm thankful that, no, that, that I don't have to worry about who's judging me in the end times. I'm thankful that my salvation rests in the hands of Jesus Christ and no one else, because I would be in a pickle with some of you. You don't have to say amen to that part. <clears throat> He urges everyone in verses one through seven, maximize your time, love people, show them forgiveness, show grace and mercy just as I've shown it to you. You're not the judge. I will be their judge. You just love me, love people. So then he makes his way into verse eight as the prophet reveals the scripture in verse number eight as we just read explaining to us, and I reiterate again, that we don't treat people the way he treats people. Why do we know this? Because we don't think the way he thinks. Our ways are not his ways. And I'm, I'm, I'm laying this foundation to, 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 to launch, to launch our, our message here today. So you gotta really get a hold of this or you'll be lost for the rest of the time if his ways are higher than mine and if his thoughts are higher than mine, can I, can I take some liberty and use the word better? If his ways are better than mine, yes. if his thoughts are better than mine, then that tells me that I should be leaning on his ways his thoughts more than I lean on my own. If the scripture settles it once and for all that he thinks sharper than me, his ways are a little brighter than mine, then why not tap into that resource of wisdom, of divine understanding? Why am I always trying to do it my way? All of us have been someone's child at some point. All of us have been someone's student at some point. And we go through these seasons of being the student where we think we know more than the teacher. And then when life humbles us, we have a wake-up call and we realize, oh, Mr. Johnson was quite a the genius. Or we have the memory that dad, dad really knows a lot more than me. This sermon is to wake all of us up today and just try to wake us all up to this. You don't know everything there is to know about this thing called being set for life. He, he has some thoughts and some ways that are better than yours. And I'm come by on this Sunday morning to try to get us on the, on the train, if you will, to get onto the bus 
and let God show us his ways, his thoughts concerning being blessed. So here they are. They're, 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 they're in your notes today at your Calvary FTW app. You can open up that app this morning. These points are there before you. You can read them. You can even take your own notes as you read along. And here they are. These are just God's principles. And if you're gonna be set for life, then you need to live by these principles. These are not in any order of importance, but boy, they all good. And there's a lot more than just these small handful, but time is of the essence. So here's your first one today. If you wanna be set for life, you need to live by this godly principle and it's the word obedience. Yes. Obedience. This is basically, if you want a short definition of it, it's God's going to show me what to do, now I just need to do it. And all the school teachers said, hallelujah. All the dads and the moms and the grandparents, we all could too. Because this, when you, when you get to a point of knowing a little bit more than your child or a little bit more than your student, a little bit more than someone, you just want it to make it so easy for them. You show them what to do and then it's just simply, won't you just do what I'm showing you to do because if you'll just do what I'm showing you to do, it's gonna bring about great results. Well, into the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter number three, if we're gonna talk about this thing being set for life and if we're gonna, if we're gonna mix in something with our finances, we see in Malachi chapter three that God's principle concerning finances, if we would just simply obey what God's idea of stewardship is, we will be the blessed for doing so. One thing you may not know about Malachi, the book of Malachi and almost every chapter deals with an area of the children of God's disobedience. And then God says, this is where you've disobeyed and this is where I want you to start obeying. And in Malachi 3, it's concerning their finances. Verse number seven, ever since the time of your ancestors, in other words, we're not the only generation that's ever disobeyed. And everyone in the grave just said hallelujah all around the globe. We're not the only generation that's ever disobeyed. Disobedience happened at the point of sin or sin happened at the point of disobedience. That's where it jumped off. That's where everything got off track was back in that Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve chose to disobey. Well, disobedience is not just in one lane. Disobedience is in all lanes of life, even in financial stewardship. He says, even your ancestors, this has been going on forever. You have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? And in closing words of verse number eight, it says, in tithe and offering. You were under a curse and 
I just think it's interesting that the NIV says your whole nation, your whole nation, because you were robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. In verse 12, in closing, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. One of the most recent Pew studies show that in all of Christianity, in all of Christianity, only 4% of Christian homes practice the principle of tithing. Only 4%. And if you'll look in further study of, of Pew studies, you will see that Christian homes are now falling into debt to income ratios just as non-believing homes. Ladies and gentlemen, I wanna just say this today and if, if you'll choose to put the shoe on and wear it, that's great, but nobody can force you to. If you're looking for financial freedom, financial freedom starts in practicing the principles of God and his stewardship idea in the first place, and that is bringing the whole tithe to the storehouse. Now, I want to I wanna share this with you. I'm, I've never shared this with anyone uh, publicly today. Uh, I shared it with our staff uh, on, a, on, a, on a quick little road trip over to Carrollton. And man, they made me feel so good about it. They said, Pastor Tommy, you really need to share that with other people. And I said, well, I really don't know how because just, it just came to me just now. It, it, nothing I've ever even thought about. But I had this thought recently. And I want to share it with you. And if it, if it helps you, it's great. I know that down deep in every single one of your hearts today, you have an honest to goodness desire to give. I know you do. You wouldn't be giving your time to the Lord here today if you were not a natural desiring individual to give. But oftentimes when it comes to giving of our tithe, we feel what we consider, we think, we have this natural thought process that, oh, you know, the church is doing just fine the way it is. We really make the mistake of thinking that our giving has to do with somebody else. And in all honesty, your blessing in life really depends on your giving I understand that what you give becomes a blessing just as the water causes the earth to bud and the budding of that produces seed to the sower. I get that. There is a natural progression of blessing. But can I just tell you today that the biggest blessing that you will see and witness is not where it's going, it's in where it came from. Now, let me share this with you. I had this thought the other day. My little girls... I've got two of them, Sister Viney. I tuck them in every night. I help their mother protect them 
I help their mother in providing for them. Denora and I both employed and we both bring finances home. We put groceries in, into our home. We provide the shelter. We provide the, 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 the finances to help with the electricity. They've got vehicles to be transported around. Our little girls are blessed by their father. Now watch this. This is the little thing I told our staff that they thought was rather, rather clever. Wouldn't it be a shame if my little girls in turn gave their love, gave their appreciation, gave their thanks, gave their time, gave their attention, gave their hearts elsewhere? If they were determined to go down the street to to a neighbor, if they were determined to go across town to someone else and show their gratitude and love and appreciation elsewhere, wouldn't that be something odd? That would be awkward. That would be strange. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to bringing the whole tithe to the storehouse, where are you being blessed? Where are you being protected and, 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 and provided for from the hand of God? I know what your heart wants to do. Your heart wants to give and, and your heart wants to give to so many things and to so many areas. But can I tell you something? There is a blessing that comes on the house whenever there's a relationship between the father and a child in the house where what God provides to the child, the child then shows the, the honor to the house by giving all of its love and attention back to the father of the house. Now, don't mistake this illustration that you're the children and Ron or Tommy's the father. No, we're the children and he is the father and that's why I continue, you know, a lot of ministers feel pressure to tithe outside. That's why I continue to tithe right here in this house because the father of this house blesses me as the child of this house. I just happen to be the lucky one to be able to be the shepherd over what God has given us in the parishioner base of this house. You see what I'm saying? I had to correct someone the other day and, I, and they weren't being rude in any way. They said, now, aren't you the, aren't, aren't you the head of that, that church? And it didn't settle well with me at all. I knew what they were saying, but I was quick to try to say, listen, man, I'm not. Believe it or not, Christ is the head of the church. I'm just lucky enough to have had a call of God to serve the people of God and the people of Calvary Church. I'm lucky enough that they've asked me to do that and I'm doing it to my best ability. But one of my requirements in serving you is to showing you the blessing that comes on your giving and it's not where it's going, it's where it's coming from. If you want your life changed for the good, if you're looking for the promise of God, you need to know the principle of God concerning finances and if you'll know the principle and then practice it there are men and women all in this room today that if they had the the freedom to take a microphone and tell you what God's done in their life because of tithing you too would probably not be in the four percent you would probably jump on into this practicing of this principle that brings about a promise if you're looking for the blessings of God if you're looking to be set for life I can tell you it starts with that water when it falls it's called a paycheck. When that water falls into your life, it needs to take root and you need to then return it 
to where God's blessing doesn't return void. You want God's blessing to be reinvested over and over again to make a change in every area. Someone clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Everyone say obedience. Hey, I don't think I've ever said it, but I feel so strong about it this morning because I really have starting to felt like Brother Jerry Downs, one of my, my good friends that actually serves on our church board. He's told me so many times, you need to start, how Jerry talks, you need to start preaching on tithing more around this church. You don't hear that often. What you normally hear is, preacher, you need to stop talking about that giving. Well, when you see someone that's blessed and they know where their blessings came from, they look around and they see why others need to hear it. So therefore, I say with boldness, with the support of the men of this church that are tithers, you need to consider changing your life forever and starting to get on board with this God's principle that brings about the promise. Amen, everybody? Amen. Number two, everyone say this word. Say contentment. Now, I'm gonna help you with that. It's really just a fancy word for being satisfied. We have trained ourselves in dissatisfaction. <laughs> We're living in a time and a culture and a world, and boy, is this, I'm telling you, we're living in a season of our culture where, where there is a, it's all about entitlement. We'll give you what you don't deserve. We'll give you what you don't earn. We'll allow you to borrow from what you don't have. We'll encourage you to live now as you should be living later. When God's thoughts and God's ways are so much better than ours, why don't we try to look at another way of living instead of entitlement living, why don't we start looking at how Paul said it in, in his writing in, to the church of Philippi, Philippians chapter four, verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. <laughs> For all of you that don't know King James, let me help you know what I'm saying. I know how to have something in my pocket and I know how it feels not to have anything. And there's everyone in this room, we've, we've, we've reached in there before. Oh, Lord, nothing there. And we've reached in there before and said, thank you, Lord. Paul says, I know how to have some and I know how it feels not to have any. And then he goes on to say, everywhere in all things, I am instructed. Here's the, here's the principle I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You live long enough in this life, you'll get some blessing, but you live long enough in this life, you'll have some hard times. That's why you can't try to be set for this life because there will be a season <laughs> where you just wish things would change. That's why we're gonna have to look at the principle of God and where God says, listen, be satisfied because this earth 
It's going to fall away and pass away. If you'll just store up your treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust can corrupt it, thieves can't steal it. Don't get your focus too much on this world because it'll be good days and bad days. You'll have days where you're abased and days that you'll abound. You just need to be content and satisfied with the fact that you've got Jesus in your heart and Jesus is your provider. And when it's going good, throw your hands up and say, thank you, Lord. And when it's not going good, throw your hands up and say, thank you, Lord, that it's not here to stay. Because in this church today, there are some on the mountain. And in this church today, there's some on the valley. Come next Sunday, there'll be some on the mountain and some in the valley. Come 20 years from now, Lord tarries, there's gonna be some on the mountain, some in the valley. But the ones that last are the ones that understand that it's not about mountain, it's not about valley, it's about being set for eternity and being content that God's gonna meet my needs, he's gonna, he's gonna take care of me, he will provide for me. When it's going good, thank you, Jesus. When it's not, thank you, Jesus, it's not here to stay. Just keep waking up, loving God, loving people. Number one, obeying, and number two, being content. Somebody say, I received the word of the Lord this morning. These don't get you invited to a lot of revival meetings, these kind of sermons. But these are the ones that'll keep you. These will keep you. And one thing about this church here in Fort Worth, one thing that I get so proud to talk about with others, as I will this weekend in Houston, uh, teaching a simple word there in Houston, I'll tell you one thing about this church that Brother Davis and Pastor Don and my Bishop Ron has taught me that it's not about, it's not about a firework display. It's about the long haul. It's about living a balanced, consistent life over time. And if you're looking for a get-rich-quick scam, you need to turn on the TV and try to find you somebody that can tell you to grow on trees but if you're looking for longevity, living for God and being set for the eternal times, I can tell you it comes from obedience and being satisfied. In the book of Proverbs chapter 30, there's a prayer. And I want to introduce you to it. There's a prayer. Some of, we, some of we here today, we need to start praying this prayer. Some of us here, we need to start praying this. It's the prayer of Agur, Proverbs chapter 30 in the King James Scriptures, verse number eight. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee. Did you catch that? Let me put it into Brandonese. Don't give me so much that I forget you. Don't make me so blessed that I forget where the blessings came from. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? But don't, or look at here, or lest I be poor, don't put me so poor that I forget that you're my provider and I start stealing and taking the name of God in vain. Everyone say, in the middle. Kind of sounds like that sermon I preached a few weeks ago about the, about the will of God, living life in the fairway and not the rough. 
You could hit the longest ball you've ever hit in golf, but if you're in the rough, or you could top it and be in the rough, be in the fairway. This prayer says, don't give me so much that I forget you, God. And don't give me so little that I forget you, God. Let me be satisfied. Give me enough that I can be a blessing to my home, that I can provide, uh, provide something I can leave for my children. Give me something that my needs are not just met, but I have. I have some things in life. I want the blessings of God, but don't give it to me if it's gonna cause me to fall out of relationship with you. I wanna be satisfied. Number three, Generosity. You talk about a principle to be practiced that brings the promise. Practice this principle of generosity. You will see the promises of God in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians 8 in the NIV verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. In this grace of giving, I have fallen in love with Proverbs 11 and 25. I've never read it in the NIV until recently. And I'm telling you, this gets my motor turning. Proverbs 11 and 25 in the NIV. Somebody needs to put this on your refrigerator door next to the 38 wedding invitations. Proverbs 11 and 25 in the NIV. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You need to get this down deep in your heart. If you want to prosper, you cannot prosper by being a hoarding, selfish, greedy individual. Generosity opens the door of prosperity. And if you need refreshing, refresh someone else. This goes back to our our, our core that we teach in this church. It's It's in the hallways. It's taught in our growth track. You hear me preach about it often. God's ultimate plan for your life is to know your purpose and then serve other one in your purpose. Because if you looking for refreshing, you need to be refreshing someone else. Your life will be better when you get God first and love people by refreshing other people. It's amazing how it works. That, ladies and gentlemen, does not add up in our carnal thinking because we want to be served. We want to be given to. We want to be refreshed. All the while, that longing to be refreshed can be satisfied if we'll walk across the street and refresh someone else. If you want to be set for life, if you want this thing to be better than ever, if you're wanting your life to be one that others marvel at, put God at the top, obey his commandments, be satisfied and content, and live a generous life. So when he gives you that boat, call me and I'll go fishing with you. 
When you get that house, call me. I'll sit that house when you're on vacation. I'll never forget me and Denora. We lived, we lived like the rich and famous one week when Mickey and Darlene, my late friend Mickey, they went out of town for a week and they said, would y'all sit and watch our house? I said, no, but I'll live in it for a week. I didn't want to just sit outside and watch it. I wanted to live in it. And they laughed and said, it's yours. It's yours. Boy, I strutted around that house like I owned that place. I was meeting the neighbors. Uh Uh-huh, how y'all doing? Y'all doing all right? Y'all need something? What y'all need? Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? That's why they were blessed. That's why they were blessed and that's why some of you are blessed. And for all of us in the room that if you need a little bump, if you need a little something good to happen in your life, you ought to ask yourself, are you always the one looking to receive or are you looking to give? Because when you get the life of generosity and share, when you start sharing, when you start including others in your world, when you start inviting them along for the journey, when you say, come on over, we've got plenty. When you say, here's the keys, take it for the weekend. When you start living life blessed like this, you can't keep the goodness of the Lord off of your life. Oh, but if you're the one that's always, gimme, gimme, gimme. I need it, need it, need it. Even though I don't deserve it, even though I didn't earn it, I just, I just want it, want it, want it. Trust me, you'll never have enough. Fourth, integrity. You want to live God's way? Then you have to live his way. His way is honest. His way is with good ethics. His way is with with doing good business. I want to preach to somebody now. Proverbs chapter number 20. Proverbs 20 in the King James says, divers weight, verse 23, divers weights are an abomination unto the Lord and a false balance is not good. What in the world is that talking about? It's talking about in the marketplace If you go trying to trick people, if you go trying to cheat people in the scales and you've manipulated those scales in the marketplace and you're selling less for more, I understand you're looking for a profit, but don't gouge people. And I'm going to go the opposite of this. Bishop Ron and I were were on a a road trip to Austin recently together about a month ago, and we had a young businessman in our community in the vehicle with us. And he started sharing something that he felt he heard from God. And that was for him to stop trying to get the bottom dollar on everything in life. Now, that goes against the way we're wired. What we think is we need the best deal we could ever get. What about that person making the living? If you want to do fair business, fair business is called a win-win. And I'm talking to a church full of men and women that own businesses right here. You know what I'm talking about. There's some people that just want you to go broke while they always come out on top. I'll never forget, I had Brother Gordon Patton do some concrete work for me at my house. And he said, now I just need to let you know, Pastor Tommy, we're not the cheapest. And I thought to myself, well, I didn't need to hear that. (laughs) And he said, but we're going to do you a great, fair job. I heard my bishop one time 
when we were building the Blackstock Center. I marveled at his wisdom. I sat right there in that boardroom and we had a room of about 15 people full of our businessmen on our board and then we had our contractor there. And I'll never forget the wisdom of this man. He said to the owner of that construction company, he said, we want you to make a real good, uh, real good profit on this job and we want you to have a good living. Just don't make it all on us. The truth is, he wanted him blessed. But don't be fair in your scale. So we can either go either way. If you're looking for too good of a deal, why don't you be Christian enough to let that man make a living? And the flip side is, if you're, if you're looking to rob them, why don't you be fair in the business and let them get a decent deal? Because I can tell you right now, the blessings of God come upon the man of integrity and the woman of integrity. Be fair in this life and you won't keep the blessings of God off of you. But if you become one that just likes to gouge people or if you're looking for someone that just wants to wring them out, you won't get a second chance at either. You want to be set for life? Obey the word of the Lord. Put God first. Bring all the time to the storehouse. Live off that 90 where, because you'll live off that 90 a lot better than the 100. It's a supernatural spiritual principle. Be content and satisfied with what God blesses you with. Don't get out of your means and don't go so low that you forget God. Be generous. Live a life of integrity. And last but not least, before I pray over you this morning, depend on God. John 16 in the King James scriptures of verse 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. You haven't asked anything in my name. You've been doing things on your own. You've been trying to accomplish all of this being set for life on your own. You've been trying to save up enough money to be set for life. You've been trying to know the right people to be set for life. You haven't done anything in my name. It's been in Tommy's name. It's been in, in George's name. It's been in Nancy's name. But look at what the scripture says. But now, why don't you ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. This is what it says in the message. Ask in my name according to my will and he'll most certainly give it to you. Your joy, come on somebody. Your joy will be a river overflowing its banks. Stop trying to depend on what you can do and what you know and how you think because the scripture's already told us in Isaiah, his thoughts are higher than yours. His ways are higher than yours. You need to get out from under that bondage of thinking that you can handle everything. If you want to be set for life, know that every breath comes from God. Know that your arms move because of God. Know that you met him at that place of, in the marketplace because of God. Yes. Know that you can sell that product. Know that you can close that deal because of God. Don't depend on yourself. Lean on the understanding of God. To all of our young couples, Travis, Courtney, and others in this room, to all of us that are in the workforce every day, the first thing we ought to do is wake up every morning and say, I lean on you today, God. I can't do it on my own. I know I'm at times in my flesh, I'm trying to get set for this life. Don't give me too much that I forget you.
Don't keep the blessings off of me that I forget you. Let me work hard. Let me be fair and honest. Let me give to you, God, and return to you what's yours. Let me be satisfied because I don't want to be a flash in the sky. I don't want to be here and gone tomorrow. I want longevity. I want a good name. I want to be able to walk in the streets of gold one day knowing that I'm set now for life. Stand with me this morning. I want you to do this with me as I close today. I want you to have your hands open all over the room before I pray over you. I want, I want you to do this with me. I know this might seem childish, but I want you to do this for me. Everybody keep your hand like that and I want you to look at me real quick. I want you to look at me. Notice the difference in this and this and this says, I don't need those principles. <laughs> you don't know me, Pastor Tommy. I've got this thing all figured out. I've got all of them figured out. I don't need a teacher. I don't need a master. <laughs> I don't need a father. But this says, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. I need thee in my marriage. I need thee in my parenting. I need thee in my business. I need thee every day and every hour, I need thee. And if these are the principles that you have revealed to me, I choose to practice these principles because I know on the other side of my practice of the principles come the promise that these are built on. I receive the word of God and I don't just hear it, but I will start doing it because I want to be set for life. Father, right now with every hand open, signifying that our heart is open, I pray a blessing in the name of Jesus on every man and woman, every young adult. If there are young people in this service, I bless them to have a wisdom at their young age to hear the word of God right now. It's not too early, nor is it too late for us to practice these principles. I receive it just as my brothers and sisters receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's start obeying. Let's start being content. Let's start living integrity-wise. Let's be a blessing with generosity. And let's depend on God. Amen, everybody. Donna, you ready to go teach?